G'day everyone and welcome to another edition of Tuesday Night Live brought to you by Crowcast of course. Uh, apologies for the late start, just got home from work as you can see I'm still uh, dressed in my work clothes but uh, what better way to finish a uh, long day at the office with some footy talk. So without any further ado let's crack straight in. We're going to have to introduce Riley Tilthorpe's left foot over the shoulder freak goal into that intro now, uh, along with uh, Joe Petrenko. How are you going, mate? Really well, Fane, really, really well, and what a great night it was Saturday night. Uh, could you have been any more excited? It was just <laughs> fantastic. All I could think to myself, could you imagine if that game was played at Adelaide Oval? Oh. It lifted the roof off. Would have gone off. <laughs> I reckon it would have been louder than that Collingwood game that um, that uh, Josh Jenkins couldn't hear the uh, siren because uh, oh. everyone was going crazy. Oh, it wasn't well, great. It was, it was enjoyable, and, and and you know, it's not all bad rebuilding, is it? It's not all bad. There's some uh, no. if you if you look at it from the the right perspective, you can get some real enjoyment and real real engagement. Absolutely, uh, with the club out of the season. Uh, absolutely. Why was it? Fang, can you answer me this? Just just right off the boot, why yeah. was back in the trick days? Why was the club ever worried about going through a rebuild? Why did they ever think that that they would lose fans by re-energising the side? Uh, look, mate, I'm with you 100. percent I don't know why. Um, it was a. It was a. I reckon it would have been an edict from the SANFL days that in order to be profitable, we had to maintain comp- and. You know, that probably might have been true for the first half a dozen years or so, but I think um, once you got an entrenched supporter base like we got very quickly, um, I think they could have thrown it out of the window. And I agree with you. There's a lot of wasted years, I think, as a result. Well, I can't remember a year where everyone was so up and about and engaged with the site. And we all know we can't make finals. Yeah, And exactly yet we're all right. just absolutely engaged, aren't we? Yeah, exactly right. Um, I don't know. Anyway, we can't dwell on the past. Look, g'day to everyone who's joined us on Discord tonight. We've got a a full complement in the uh, live studio audience, which is fantastic, and a lot of people engaging on chat, both on YouTube and on on Discord as well. Don't forget, if you want to get around us on Discord, there's uh, plenty of instructions on our YouTube channel. Just search Crowcast on YouTube, and there will be a Discord instruction video there that you can get around us. Nearly up to 200 in our uh, Discord community now pete it's fantastic it's 185 i reckon we'll get to uh 200 by uh or end of july i reckon which is pretty good going exponential growth mate exponential exponential growth exactly right um and uh, also exponential growth on youtube as well and for those people that listen to our audio feed a lot of people i know listen to our audio feed rather than watch on youtube don't be afraid to chuck us a review on itunes um and uh just pump us up a little bit there our itunes ratings actually pretty good at the moment our rankings are pretty good but uh 
The more the merrier. Um, wherever you can, support us on socials um, because uh, this cast will only get better with more people involved. Now, Peter, it's already 8.46, mate, so the, <laughs> the clock's ticking. So, <laughs> no, it's so, all right, mate. I've, I've got an extension. Oh, you've got an extension. Fantastic. Well, I haven't yeah, had tea yet, so bugger your extension. <laughs> <laughs> no, look, it's all good. So, look... Um, just a, just a little bit firstly on the, on the match, just to round that out, uh, we had young Josh Worrell making his long-awaited debut um, on the weekend. And, uh, you know, the lad probably struggled. I, I felt like he was a bit overawed and uh, probably lost his feet a few times. He, he should have stayed upright, looked a little bit like a uh, clumsy giraffe at times. But uh, great to see him on, on deck anyway. Yeah, it was. And just a bit unfortunate he was matched up in the early... Uh moments against Mason Wood, who is the kind of player uh, that at any given time you think can rip a, rip yeah. a career apart, and then, yeah. and then he doesn't. Yeah. And if you just yeah. bump into Mason Wood at the wrong time, he can make you look pretty silly, yeah. um, as of what happened. But, you know, he could play on Mason Wood another 10 times and would, wouldn't get a kick. So, it's right. just you know, he's just one of those players, Mason Wood, unfortunately. But it was great to see Josh out there. I, really interesting, the coach saying, and uh, I'm not sure if you're buying to this, but... It's really interesting to hear the coach saying that we had, I think, something like 14 players who had never played a game under lights outside of Adelaide Oval. That's an amazing statistic. It wouldn't have even occur to me, but uh, and I don't reckon many of them would have played in conditions like got served up at J-Max, no. uh, J-Max home deck um, uh, there in northern Queensland. Uh, you know, I don't know what the temperature was, but it would have been mid to high 20s, I would assume, and uh, just... Just dripping wet, <laughs> even before it rained. Oh, you know, and that's all part of the the learning curve, and that's mm. all you know the journey that that, that we're on. And and um, but by gee, you know that uh, the second half it was just um, all hands on deck, and it was just a it was it was an ugly but a really really passionate kind of display by the players, wasn't it? They were just so. You know, they were just um, so team-orientated and they just did everything they could to push the ball forward. And yeah. a lot of the time it wasn't pretty, but, uh, gee, it was, they, got, they showed some heart, didn't they? Well, after, after about halfway through the second quarter, because that first quarter was ugly as hell. <laughs> oh, God, it was, I was thinking, oh, this is just going to be a disaster. But, you know, it's, it, they are showing qualities that are um, unusual for what we've, been, what we've become used to with an Adelaide side um, and I yes. think at times we could probably be accused in the past of being front runners and being a little bit flaky and you and I and, and uh, Macca and Nikki at various stages over the last few years have lamented blokes going missing or blokes just making bad errors at critical times in big games you just get a little bit of a different feeling about this list um, in my opinion Absolutely we we used to talk a lot about um, some of the uh, really critically important games yeah. that um, that they went missing under, particularly under Don Pike. Yeah. And um, you know, I just I, I'm the same as you. You just get the feeling that this is a team that uh, has got a bit of a hard edge about it. And yeah. um, they'll, they'll do, you know, it doesn't have necessarily have to be pretty, but they'll do whatever it takes. Um, yeah. And doesn't it doesn't it help? You know, when we're talking about you know, rebuilding, and we're talking about, you know, how that sets us up for drafting. Mm-hmm. And we've not had access to top, you know, top one to five talent probably, you know, in our 
Well, you know, well, I can time, remember. The only time we did, we uh, a, gave it away for Wayne Carey. <laughs> that's right. But, you know, I know we've probably said it before, but what a difference it makes to have that talent. Oh, yeah. Absolute, you know, just unequal talent yeah. um, in, in, in Riley up there. You know, it just made such a difference. And um, But, you know, look, they all played their part. He did some star things. And let's not forget, you know, when we're six goals down, he took that contested mark yes. in the third quarter. Yes, it's a strong mark, wasn't he? And he just, just the way he just shoved the, you know, the guys out of his way as well. Yeah. He's just a, he's a, he's a big angry man. Yeah, Riley for an eighteen-year-old, he's, he's angry, he's aggressive, and he just gets it done. Well, I was getting a bit shirty in the first half because I wanted him to take one or two marks that he'd gone for, and I thought, oh, come on, Riley, you got to start taking those. And, uh, I, you know, granted the conditions were terrible for contested marking and all the rest of it, but when he took that grab in the third, I thought, yes, that's exactly what we need from you, mate. And I reckon the biggest thing that would have come out of that game, not that Riley lacks any uh, doubts in terms of his own ability, but I reckon being such an integral part of that win just would make the kid feel like he belongs at the level now. And I wouldn't mind yeah. betting that we see a couple of standout games from him as the season goes into the second half. Yeah, that's right. And as he's um, getting the pace of the game, what we're also seeing is uh, his abilities around the ground and oh, yeah. how he's now starting to get much, much more involved in the game. And, and um, you know, when he, when he goes into ruck, it's really just putting another midfielder in there isn't it he's just yeah. uh, he gets his hands on the ball and he's creative and he just sees you know he was always described as a freakish talent and he does he does do those sort of freaky things doesn't he yeah just well, thinks so quickly yeah uh, absolutely and rising star nom uh for body of work uh our well deserved too uh, the thing also just to round that off um pete that i enjoyed is that even though we had big last quarters from laird and sloan there were some noticeable performances by our young lads uh, that yes. were really integral. Harry Schomburg had a huge last quarter and some of his touch, as Macca and I were talking about on Sunday night, some of his touch just makes me drool. Uh, Berry, hard at it, clean below his knees. Um, you know, McHenry, hard at it. Uh, it wasn't just the old stages. In, in fact, you know, Seisman, who dominated possession, even though he'd burned it a bit for the first three quarters, wasn't really a factor in the last. It was our young lads on the back of some really gutsy work from Sloan and Laird that got us over the line in the end. Yep. Yep. No, I couldn't agree more. It's um, you know, I, I was I thought it was the best game that Sam Berry has played for us. I, yep. I you know, um, I think he got himself because there's one a knock on Sam that's and this is you know being pretty harsh compared to his first year. But he, you know, he's a little bit down, yeah. but. To see him get up sixteen possessions and, and give his the usual kind of grunt that he's been giving all the way through, it yeah. just complemented it a little bit. And and as you say, there was some incredibly clean takes where he hit the ball at pace. Yep. And uh, just just that cleanliness below his knees was really quite phenomenal. And as you say, some of the little knock-ons that Harry got, the, the, he won't get stats for, but just little knock-ons and things that he did was, uh, you know, he's going to be a real real player for us. Uh, yeah. Obviously. So yeah, those. Those two boys in the midfield, we get a, a nice um, top, you know, five or six midfielder this year, and there's plenty of pick from as we've talked about. Mm. Um, you know, that's going to really set us up nicely. Yep, absolutely right. Um, probably the only selection issue, I think, uh, aside from whether they keep Josh in for another couple, is uh, the ongoing mediocre form of Shane McAdam. 
Um, yep. And I'll segue that into a little bit of SANFL talk because I thought Lockie Gallant started really well in the SANFL and looked almost a ready-made third tool, Peter. Yeah, he did. He did. He uh, he came on really, really nicely, took a couple of nice marks. And he, uh, I actually uh, saw Lockie play in the trial match against Norwood very early in the year. Yeah. And um, uh, and surprisingly enough, I think, I think you'll find that match on... Um, uh, Sunday, I think it was against it. That was his first game for the Yeah, Crows, that's I right. I, I, yeah, yeah, it was. It Crazy, was. isn't it? Yeah, that's his first game. But yeah, I was really quite impressed with him um, against against Norwood. And sorry, just uh, being interrupted there. I was really, <laughs> really impressed. In, this kids, mate, um, was really impressed with his game against Norwood in that uh, that trial match. I thought he got on a couple of really, really nice marks. He just looked the part. Just looking at him live, he just really looked the part. Yeah, nice and, height. Uh, you know, good attack on the really, ball. Really, really good air. height. Really jumps and takes the ball at its highest point, and yep. he's got quite sort of telescopic arms as well. So, yeah, no, I think um, he's uh, he's a potential. I think that he's maybe a little bit light on for a debut this year, but maybe. you never know. They're uh, I, I love the fact that they're running through and giving these guys games. So yep. uh, you never know. A little bit of form, but I would think Lockie would be, and the team would be, um, the club would be pretty happy if he could just. Put together, you know, three or four good sandful games now, and yeah. and get himself some touch. Yeah. Um, so yeah, no, absolutely agree. He's a, he's certainly one to watch. Yeah. And J Mac, yes, we did win the SANFL. It was a good win uh, over Sturt, who have been in decent nick. Um, and Sturt did come back a little bit in the last, but uh, we managed to hold on. Uh, I thought Lucky Pedler also took a step, um, a couple back from injury now, and he just seemed to get involved a little bit more. Yeah, I think it's just fitness, Fane. That's all mm. it is for for Pedler. And what you saw was the first half where he was he was quite damaging. He was able to break away from clearance and uh, from stoppage, I should say, and and give effective clearance by uh, by putting some meters uh, in before he kicked. And yeah. yeah, that's what you want to see from a midfielder like that. You just want to see him break away from stoppage and yeah. and um, and get the ball going our way. And I think that's what he's known for. And and yeah. we saw a bit of that. We saw you know some goal kicking and so all those good things that you wanted to see from Luke. We saw them probably just faded out in the second half, and that's probably just fitness, I'd reckon. Yeah, so, yeah, well, he's, you know, he's been, had a, had a long layoff with that grind. So um, the other one that I thought took a step was Cook. I thought um, he just looked a little bit more involved and uh, a little bit more, uh, what would I say, confident, I guess. So he's obviously starting to find his feet too, I think. Yeah, he just upped his production. Another one that just upped his production to 15 disposals and, yeah. and just... Um, you know, just got himself involved in the game a little bit more, and that, that's what you want to see from him. And he, he's a really, he's a really interesting, I think, Cook in terms of where you. I mean, look at if you look at Gallant, as you say, and I mean, he immediately presents as a sort of a, a third tall marking forward. Yeah. Um, Braden Cook, I'm not sure he he came off the back of some good goal kicking uh, for South Adelaide under 18s, but if you had a look at his footage, he was not does not play as a leader, or he didn't play as a leader. Sort of forward mm. uh, for South Adelaide. He was more of a um, more of a sort of a wing a wing half forward running towards goal run, yeah. rather than running up the field. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. That's so I, I pin him it, as a wingman. It, I reckon if he's got the I, pace, I think he's a wingman. Yep. I think if they can get the kilometres into him, I think he's a he's a wingman. Yep. Which is All a right. position that's coming very much back into vogue in the AFL. Did you notice that this year? Just as a little side issue, have you noticed that the wing? Well, Pete just faded out there, mate. But uh, I have noticed that the wings have become a little bit more 
prominent, and I think it's to do with the way um, that the ball's being transitioned um, with multiple uh, possessions. Um, so um, I don't know whether you're back yet, but your uh, your microphone just faded out there, mate. No, you might have to uh, do the old turn it off and turn it back on again sort of thing. There we go. Uh, just while we're waiting for Peter to uh, reorganise himself, uh, a reminder for anyone that's in chat, of course, that if you uh, want to have something to say uh, about the game on the weekend or about the SANFL or about match review when we get to that or selection or anything like that, um, please, by all means, put your hand up. Uh, we'd love to get you involved uh, in the chat as always. And uh, there's Pete again. I might just uh, see if I can get you in, Peter. Sorry, mate. Uh, that's my fault entirely. I'm working with this laptop, and sometimes it just boots me out. So anyway, just, I do apologise. It just fades out. <laughs> I was I, I'd made this great statement about you know the emergence of uh, of true wingmen in the AFL, and then I was mm. met with this absolute silence. I'm thinking, well, Fiend obviously thinks I'm a bit of a dickhead there, <laughs> but well, because uh, I'm cut out. Are the two mutually exclusive, Peter? Let's not explore that. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not go there, mate. Let's no, not no. go there. Now, but, um, no, I think Braden Cook presents as a wingman for us. That's what I can yeah, say. Agreed. Now, J&M on, and I don't know whether uh, J&M are on, uh, on YouTube tonight, but uh, they just badgered and badgered. I think it's Mr. and Mrs. Parnell, actually, uh, that's the J&M account because they just kept badgering me to talk about uh, young Parnell. What do you think? What do you think? Oh, look, I thought he was terrific, and it, there's, there's nothing more enjoyable to seeing a kid that doesn't look like he's able to play AFL football just slot in and play Just, it. just play, yeah, um, exactly. It, do you know what I mean? Yeah. I, and it's one of the things that... It's one of the things I love about the game is the fact that, you know, we, we, you know, we muse about, you know, potential draftees. And we talk about, oh, we'd like a tall midfielder and, oh, we need a bit of height here and, oh, we need a bit of this. Bit of... And then you just see a kid like that come in who's, you know, one, what are they, 177, 176. Something like that, yeah. And, he, and he's light. But guess what? He can football. And so yeah. I think that, you know, we just, we're just so um, grossly underestimate um, how some you know some some kids are just really really good pure footballers and he is that he you know I reckon I reckon in the second quarter I reckon up to half time he was close to our best yeah wouldn't have been he far was, off he would have had about I reckon he had about ten or eleven disposals yeah. um, by half time and he probably he was another one that probably just ran out of a bit of puff just looking yeah. at you know uh, step up in competition but once he gets some kilometres in his legs he's another one. That he just looks—he looks to me like he can just play a for football. Agreed. Uh, Agreed. You know, and, and you, you look at him; he looks like he's twelve years old. He looks yeah. like he's—he he looks like he'd break if you touch him. But yeah. he has got some serious weapons in terms of his decision making and his disposal. So, so he's been you, a really good pickup, I think. What do you do with a kid like that? I mean, he's obviously uh, a bit light. You're just feeding back through the headphones, just uh, through the microphone, just a little bit, Peter. Uh, he's obviously a little bit light, um, but he's small in stature. And do you just let the kid develop naturally, or do you try and uh, get a few kegs onto him, or you know, get him to build up his upper body? I'm, I'm not sure. I, you, you don't want to break the kid, you know. He's going to ride as it is at the moment. No, they'll um, they'll certainly look to put a few kilos on him, but I mean, it'll just be a case of how his natural sort of body shape yeah. holds up. Yeah. But he's just a kid that you would just, um, you know, you'd uh, you'd put him in as a small defender, you know, in that kind of that mm. Luke Brown type role, and yeah. 
you'd uh, work with him on his one-on-one stuff and then you'd try and free him up and just release him to kick the ball out of defence, I think. I mean, yeah. It sounds simple, I know, but I think that, yeah, you would have to um, put some uh, uh, a little bit of muscle on him. Um, but, you know, um, Billy Four Eyes makes a really good point. Carter Daniel, you know, he, um, he's yeah, put a little certainly... bit of muscle on, but not a huge amount. Uh, upper body really has through the shoulders. He's quite strong yeah. now, Caleb Daniel. Um, I guess, and you just it, free, you just sorry, free him up, and yeah. Sorry, mate. You, sorry, you just free him up and make sure that they, they're delivering outside of defence. Yeah, yeah. Um, does it maybe draw a line through one or two of the lads in this year's draft um, that are similarly small in stature? Do we have our fill now with Jones and McHenry and uh, now Parnell and a couple of others that are sort of sub one eighty? Yeah, I think so. I think that, I mean, look, from a South Australian perspective, the one that I know that we were, we, we had talked about was Lewis Rayson mm. down at the Bay and um, just how good he is in that role. And yep. um, look, he's moving up and playing a bit of midfield now, so he may well be picked up as a midfielder, but um, most of his football at the junior level, and it'll be interesting to see how they use him in the champs. Yeah, um, yeah. I would I'd suggest that they'll keep him in his running halfback role. Um, so, but you're right, it, it could very well rule out a player like that, because if you think, yeah, we've, I mean, we do have a lot of uh, small to medium defenders there, and uh, yeah, yeah, that's always been Hamish's go for whatever reason. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we're, we're certainly flush. Mm. Um, so yeah, not a bad performance by the SNFL, and um, in a little while we'll talk about um, one of your favourites, Peter Morgan Ferres. But um, before we get to that, I, I'm very keen to hear your thoughts about the upcoming match well, tribunal disaster caused by the enforcer, David, um, you know, uh, Thunder God McKay or whatever the hell you want to call him now. I, I think it's an absolute... Uh, it's, a, it's a pivot point for the AFL, this, this particular decision. Yeah, look, I know it's your I, look. I, you know, we've talked about it, and I know that you you, f- you feel pretty strongly about it. And as do I. And I think most of the footy community does. If I was to if I was to put my sort of objective um, head around it, I think I put a message on the on um, on Discord the other day, just saying I think that this we are now at the ultimate intersection yeah. of concussion risk management and AFL and and football as we know it, yeah. and. And it was a, it was on, and I, I wrote that at the time where AFL, the AFL hadn't, excuse me, graded the charge. Yeah, they had now graded it. They've made their decision. They, oh, so you know, sorry, so I, I've missed that. What is the decision? They've just said they've graded the charge. So yes. you know how it went originally went ungraded. Ungraded. What what so is the grade? Oh, it's the um, um, high severe. Um, you know the, uh, the so whole, is the whole it, nine did, yards. Did they make it um, um, intentional or um, reckless or negligent? Negligent, uh, negligent, I think it was. And so they're looking for that. They're looking for that three plus weeks, uh, yeah. similar to what? Um, oh, who's the Port Ruckman? Sorry that uh, that got hold um, of McHenry. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that guy. <laughs> that guy. Yeah. <laughs> that big bloke. Yeah, yeah. So they. they, they it's the same grading as what he got because what happened was is that Christian sent it up. He didn't, yeah, he sent it up. They didn't want a bar of it. <laughs> they didn't want to. Lysa, uh, thanks, Patrick and VM. Um, but what happened is that uh, Hawking's coming over the top. Yeah, right. He's come off. He's come off the top. Uh, the top rope. 
yeah. and said, no, I'm going to, I'm going to grade this. Yeah. And um, so he's now graded it. So that's where it sits. Yeah. So the Apple have now they've nailed their colours to the mast. They've mm-hmm. they've said that they want they want uh, they want a result out of this. So they got they've now that you know their decision. And I think that there could be a bit of risk management associated with that fee. It could be a case of saying, well, we have to put our position there, and if the tribunal knock us back, well, then it's not our fault. Um, so but that, the that tribunal the tribunal is not independent. Doesn't matter what no, you say, well, it's well. not independent. That's true as well. Yep. Um, I guess the way I mean, there's a couple of uh, there's a lot of factors in this. Uh, obviously, Omira got let off, uh, no case to answer for a similar yep. um, incident the previous evening. Uh, to me, there's not a lot of difference. Uh, watching it in real time at the time, it looked like two blokes going extremely hard at the ball, um, yep. which is exactly why the majority of us watched this great sport. Um, David McKay he's not at, I think I hope um, the Adelaide mounted defence around the fact that David McKay at no stage made a decision to bump because David McKay at no stage made a decision to bump his hands are out for the ball um, he turns his body as you're taught to do in juniors to, to accept contact if it's coming um, but at yep. no stage did he tuck up and go for a bump. So, if the AFL are going to argue that he that he shouldn't shouldn't have chosen to bump, well, the counter argument, in my view, is that it, well, he didn't. It was a collision. No. And his foot, the pictures, the stills show clearly his foot was on the ground. That's, yeah, he was There's running. No pro- he was running. There's no propelling. So he stopped himself. <laughs> That's right. Um, and the only reason he went over the top is because um, Hunter Clark got a little bit lower, and the momentum of uh, DMAC coming into the into the contest just flipped him over. But I, the the problem with them sanctioning McKay, in my opinion, is that it throws a hell of a lot of doubt into players' minds about when they should and shouldn't go. And I'm all about duty of care to a degree. I, I don't think players uh, should be able to just you know, do go off willy-nilly and belt blokes and bash blokes and dish out concussion and all the rest of it. But I think there's a I think there's a level of danger in terms of putting doubt into players' minds about when they should and shouldn't go in because you know as well as I do that when you go into a con- like anyone that's played football knows that if you go into a contest you have to if you hesitate or if you if you're not braced appropriately you're going to get hurt. And so the best yep. way when you're in a contested position uh, situation is to commit and brace and go as hard as you can to protect yourself more than anything else. Now, if they start throwing doubt into players' minds and players get halfway through a motion and all of a sudden stop, you're going to see uh, still going to see impact injuries, but I think you're also going to see joint injuries. You're going to see dislocations. You're yep. going to see knees. All sorts of stuff because players are not going to know what the hell they're supposed to be doing, and they're being asked to make a decision in a split second. Yeah, it's almost like the netball injury situation where you know you got people just stopping yeah. on a on a five cent piece, mm. and it just wrecks the joints. But you know, I, I, it's absolutely true, and it, you know, I think I, I'm the same as everybody in this. You you feel for the game itself. It just uh, it just seems unbelievable that it could get to this point. I mean, where where do we go with things like you know guys going for a high mark and a specky? You know, what if their knee collects the the head of the defender? 
Well, and that's far more dangerous in my opinion. Yeah. Knee in the back of the head is... Yeah, I mean, let's 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 look historically. It was only it was not that long ago that um, uh, Young Finey got let off at the tribunal after being done by the MRP for breaking Tom Lynch's jaw. Um, you know, and to me that was more a case of running past the ball and hitting the player. Uh, DMAC at no stage ran past the ball to hit, pardon me, to hit the player. Um, yeah, so he had the good bloke defence there. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Uh, he had the Melbourne, please don't weaken us any further defence. Um, yeah. And I guess the other question in my mind is, had Hunter Clark not broken his jaw, and this comes back down to the old argument of punish the result, not the action, but what would have happened if Hunter Clark had dislocated his shoulder rather than broken his jaw? Exactly. Would- would it have been it's still an injury that would keep him out for six weeks or whatever, um, but it's not a head injury. Same action, different consequence, uh, different injury, but same outcome. Would we still be talking about this now? Well, we wouldn't be. And what what you've hit upon, Fiend, um, very accurately, is the cynicism which goes with concussion risk management. That's yeah. what it is. It's yeah. it's cynical. And it is nothing more than the AFL risk managing their own potential liabilities for for concussion claims in the future. And we, we talked about this a couple of years ago. That it, we were worried a couple of years ago on this podcast about where the game was going to end up mm. because of this. Now here we yeah. are at the intersection, as I said. Yeah, right this now. Is the, this, this is this is it. This is yeah. the one. Yeah, and Andalus on the chat, you know, makes a very pertinent point. You have to protect the head, and I don't think anyone. I don't think anyone disputes that you have to protect the head. But as I think I mentioned in chat the other day, if you're if you're going to play a game of AFL football, you have to accept some level of uh, risk associated with that workplace. Just the same as if I work in a mine, there's a certain amount of risk associated with mining. There's a certain Correct. amount of risk involved in motorsport. There's a certain amount of risk in, in 99% of sports. Um, and... I don't think, I, I think, you know, I, I get the AFL's need to mitigate risk, etc. But um, protecting the head is one thing, but I think you cannot legislate out uh, accidental collisions unless you, t- unless you turn it into touch football, basically. Yeah. <clears throat> so no. will the AFL make that decision? And, you know, I'm almost fascinated to see what will happen if they do uh, because it'll it'll it won't just stop there in my opinion because this is this is really divided even partisan victorian uh, media commentators yep. it's it's been quite divisive um and so i think the discussion will rage on and on and on yep we're at the edge of the cliff now we really I are. agree i agree so that's thursday night i believe um yes, and thursday uh, is. I do also hope that if DMAC does get weeks, uh, I do hope that the Adelaide Football Club get behind him and, and appeal because uh, without being a lawyer, you'd know better than me, Mac, uh, Pete, but uh, with, uh, without being a lawyer, I would say that there'd be avenues for, for appeal that might be fruitful. I don't know, but just yeah. out of principle, I, wish, I hope they do. Absolutely. Absolutely. 
All right. Uh, the other thing, just quickly before Morgan, uh, did you get around Caroline Wilson's comments about Seb Ross and uh, the other lad that I've forgotten? Yeah, I, I didn't. I didn't like it, and I didn't like the way she doubled down on it. No. Today. Yeah. That, that was what surprised me. Doubling down on it, saying basically saying that you well, I'm just saying what everybody else is thinking. Mm. Um, Which actually isn't true. I don't think that's a fair reflection of what everyone's thinking. Just not true at all. No. Um, You know, Seb Ross has just had twins, five weeks old, and Caro's saying, well, there's no medical emergency. Well, you don't know. Is is the young lass... struggling with the with the twins is is there some postpartum depression is it just the fact that he wants to be around his kids because it's having twins is uh, i know a mate of mine had twins you know him as well brownie uh pete had twins and that's fucking hard work <laughs> hard work <laughs> well, i just thought it was pretty ironic from somebody who's uh had a fair bit to say over the years about some oh, of the, uh, yeah. the the poor behaviour and blokey culture, and yeah. um, and then comes up comes up with that one. I thought that was a bit, yeah, a bit ironic. Well, the irony was, and the hypocrisy was that she was uh, saying, you know, Sebros is part of the lead- leadership group. Who was the other one? What's his name? I've forgotten. Gresham. That's right. Uh, you know, they're part of the leadership group and all the rest of it. And had they been on the field, St Kilda wouldn't have lost that game. And then she makes a statement, you know, Seb Ross, you know, I don't know what he's thinking. He might not even be playing for Saints next year. And I'm thinking, well, on the one hand, you're thinking that he's going to be delisted because he's not good enough. And on the other hand, you're saying that he was integral to a win. You know, she's just talking out of her ass. And, uh, yeah, maybe maybe going down the Sam Newman path, uh, you know, wouldn't it be ironic if she ended up being viewed in the same light as poor old Sam after being adversaries all these years? Uh, she's, she's, she's gone down a very silly pathway there. She has, <laughs> uh, and we'll see how that pans out as well. Anyway, moving right along, we're at 9.15, Peter. Uh, we've got a few minutes, and uh, you're a big G. You're a big G for a young uh, lad that plays out at Sturt. Um uh, young Morgan Ferris. Tell us about him, mate. Thanks, mate. Yes, I am a big G. And, and how fortunate that, uh, uh, as it turned out, that we um, we had a, some tech problems last week, so we didn't get to uh, talk about Morgs last week and we're able to talk to him uh, about him tonight on the back of a really, really dominant performance for State yeah. Under-18s. Of course, it was the, uh, the buy in school football last weekend, and so Morgs fronted up for Sturt and the under-18s, and helped himself to seven goals four <laughs> on the back of nine, nine marks with uh, to go with 18 possessions. And so he just uh, made it look a pretty easy out there. And um, so he's, um, oh, he's he's played, you know, he's played two under-18 games now for a total of 13 goals in two under-18 <laughs> games. He's, he's way too good for the level, and, and he... Um, He's had he was promoted for two reserves game and um, and he kicked a goal each in, in each of those two games so yeah. you know he's got nothing to prove but Morgs um, look <clears throat> I really, what I really like about Morgs is that um, he's extremely um, athletic and he he sits at about one ninety one ninety one yeah I think they thought that he was probably going to grow a bit more but he might have topped out right and so he present he presents as the third tall he I don't think he's gonna I don't think he's gonna reach that that uh, key key forward player, but yeah. he does play pretty tall. He's got a, he's so athletic and he's got a great leap. And I think probably um, you know George Artis from Port is probably a fairly good comparison. They're the same height and and he plays pretty tall as well. Yeah. But the thing about Morgs is that um, I haven't 
I wasn't able to catch up with the recent testing, but he did some testing last year, and he tested two point nine five on the on the twenty meter sprint, and he also mm. tested twenty one point two on the yo yo. So he's yeah. got he has got a really really big engine, and and he's very very quick off the mark, which obviously for his leading. So um, Morgs himself says he likes to model his game on Tom Lynch, and so yeah. you know when I was talking about we we're talking about <clears throat> Braden Cook before, we were just you know I guess. Um, Standing those two kids apart as as one kid who sort of plays probably running towards goal, but one um, Morgs plays running away from goal. You know, he's he's yeah. very much that lead up that lead up player. Yeah, and um, he can take a really really strong contested mark. I've seen him in the flesh two or three times now, and he can hit a pack really really hard, and they just clunk. And yeah. he's a real clunker of the ball. And I think that you know if you're looking at that, I guess. As I said, that George Yardis or even that Jack Gunston tight, he he is that that player, and he's um he's got a, he's got a, as I said a wonderful engine, so he'll get up and down the ground, and uh, and he'll mark the football, and and you know he'll kick some goals, and so I just think we we did have a bit of a chat about um that position with the Crows and yeah. how we're we're set up for that third tall. So you were quite right tonight, Lockie Gallant. Or Gallant is a player that presents as potentially that kind of player, but I wonder whether there is, and I'm interested in your thoughts. Whether you think that there might be room um, for a Morgs uh, on our list? I don't think there's actually just room. I think there's actually a necessity. Um, I personally am not. Uh, I, I love Shane McAdams' X Factor, but I don't think he's. I think he's a one-trick pony. Uh, and I don't yep. think he's reliable. I, I'm really liking how Darcy is starting to cement himself in that forward line. And obviously, once Tex uh, drops off, uh, we'll have a, a room for a, for another a tall player. And I think a bloke like Gallant or a bloke like Morgan um, is the prototype third tall that can get up the ground a bit, can run his player around, can spread the defence a little bit. Um, and when you think about uh, three completely different targets up forward in Thilthorpe, Darcy, and someone like Morgan Ferris, um, that's that's a hard matchup in my books. Yeah, I think you're right, and I think that Morgs is the kind of player that will spread the defence really well because mm. because he's got that because he's quick off the mark, and also because he's got that engine and. You know, I'm not saying that he's a you know clone of Tom Lynch or anything like that, but in the same way that Tom got up and down for us, I think that you know Morgs would be that that same type of player. And yep. interesting, I think I mentioned to you a couple of weeks ago that I was um, fortunate enough to have a conversation with one of the recruiters at one of the college games. Yeah, yeah. I watch you Morgs really closely, and um, they're a really big G for Morgs for two reasons. One because of his engine, they'd, they'd really identified the engine, saying that, you know, that he had an engine built for AFL. Yeah. Um, and, and I think I, I might have made this comment previously, but I'll say it again, that, that he, he mentioned that he thought that Morgs, when the ball hits his hands, he said it's like a sound, it's a sound like no other. Yeah, yeah. He said it's a different it's sound. He said it is, it, is a, it is a real clunking grip of a sound that hits his hands and you just know that it's not going anywhere else. So that's so. There's no doubt that you know he'll go. He'll go somewhere, and I'd yeah. say that the range just um, yippy whippy. Uh, looking at saying about the draft range estimate. Look, I, um, I've seen a couple of mocks that have got him sort of around about that fifteen to twenty. I don't think he'll go that early. 
for no, third tall, I, I think. I'm thinking. Although, late, what did George Artis go? George Artis went top 20, didn't he? Uh, did he? I thought he went. Oh, I thought he went lower than that. Oh, he might have been 19. I can't yeah. remember now. Anyway. But I think I think Morgs I think Morgs will probably last. I mean, if you're talking about us, I think he'll probably last to our Melbourne second round pick. I think you, you know. I think Morgs is a. We're starting to line a, a few up at that pick, though, aren't we, Pete? <laughs> <laughs> the twenty-five to thirty-five, maybe. I reckon yeah. it's about Morgs's range. I, yeah. I think that's where he goes. And of course, look, we'll st- everything will revolve around the champs. But uh, you and I both know that that midfield of South Australia is looking like it's an absolute um, peach, and uh, I wouldn't mind being Morgs playing ahead of that midfield in the yeah, state champs. I reckon, even without Matty Roberts, it's still going to be pretty solid. Unfortunately, without Matty Robertson, and I doubt that he will be available now for the champs. Um, But still, there will be plenty of room, and there's a lot of midfielders running through there, and I think that um, Morgs will have a field day, and I think that that will only, you know, that will probably only increase his stocks. Yeah. Now, Vardy, I'm sorry, but uh, I got home literally about a minute before I fired up the podcast, so I don't have any Morgan Ferris footage, unfortunately, to play on the screen tonight. there's a bit around on YouTube, though, which is where I would have got it from. So uh, it's a bit of a slapdash Tuesday Night Live tonight. My apologies. But, um, yeah, everything no, that I've... footage there, Fane, and as you say, he's definitely got it up there because I think he was the round one or round two player of the week and yep. when he kicked his six. Um, so, yeah, he's uh, 13 yep. from 218 games. That's not bad going. That's not bad. And when you consider two blokes with big engines that are that are also, you know, plus 190, one in Thilthorpe and one in someone like a Ferris, um, you talk about separation. Um, two of those blokes running up and down the ground and then Darcy just splitting packs through the middle lane. Oh, I like the sound of that. I really do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I do as well. And I, I honestly think that there's an, as you say, I, I absolutely agree. I think there's a need... For a Morgs, and there's not many in the draft, I don't think, like him. I think mm. he's you know, he, he's very much, you know, if, if you've got a club that's looking for that third tall, then I think that Morgs is pretty much out there on his own, certainly at the higher end of the draft. I'm yeah. not sure there's anyone that sort of has a similar kind of um, profile as what Morgs does. So. Yeah. But we'll see. We'll see how he goes. I'll keep tracking him through his uh, the rest of his college year. He'll... Um, He'll suffer a little bit, no doubt, from not having Matty Roberts putting the ball down his throat. Um, yeah. But that's, uh, that's up to Morgs to deal with. But he's, um, oh, look, he's a good enough contest. I think nine, I think out of his nine marks on Saturday, four were contested. So, yeah. um, you know, he's a good enough player to um, to win the ball in the air by himself. Yeah. Jack Gunston, you reckon? <laughs> yeah, I reckon. Um, I'll tell you what I loved about, you know, just a little anecdote. But I saw Morgs play against uh, Ross Trevor um, a few weeks ago now, and it was absolute ball terror of a game. There was half a goal in it, and there was about 30 seconds to go. And um, um, St. Peter's had a kick out from a from a from a behind. It was you know it was the play of the game, you yeah. know. Yeah. And, and Morgs has he's got on his bike and he is just steamed from the forward line. He's steamed and he's made sure that he hit that pack from the from the kick out. And he's come three deep and taken this massive contested mark, <laughs> and, and and let me tell you, uh, Ross Trevor, no no easy beats. Let me tell you, that'd be one of the best school teams going around. This was yeah. a, a high standard game, yeah, very high standard game. And that closed the game out. That, that yeah, won the yeah. game, and it wasn't him kicking goals, mate. It was he, it was that engine, 
Yeah. Got himself down the ground and taking a big contested mark. Um, it's also the initiative to. It's also also the initiative to take charge of that situation. You can't buy that. No, that's right. You know, that's right. And you know, um, with the clock running down, you know, it takes a big mark like that. By the time he actually gets himself up and dusts himself off, the, the game's gone. Yeah. So uh, no, I don't mind a Jack Gunston um, comparison. Is that you know that Gunston that. That Lynch, but probably in today's game, you know, probably Geordie Artis, George Artis. Yeah, yeah. Gunson, Who I but a fine player. Oh, I'd love him, George Artis. I think he's going to be a star. I would say Gunston, but a little bit more dynamic and a little bit stronger overhead overall. That that would be my yep. sort of feel. Yep. Peter, thank you very much. Don't mate. have a side um, analogy. Sorry for that one. Labs, sorry, mate. <laughs> I, haven't, I haven't thought about a side analogy for that one. <laughs> Look, thanks, mate. Thanks to everyone who's joined us on Discord tonight. Uh, no one's been game enough to come on, but that's okay. It's been a little bit rushed tonight, but uh, hopefully the content has still been enjoyable. Don't forget, if you want to support us, uh, you can go to patreon.com forward slash AFL Crowcast and join up there on one of the tiers, or you can just click the donate button on our website and uh, flick us some coin on PayPal. On PayPal yeah. Um, but we don't limit it to... Uh, offers of money if you uh, have any skills or anything like that you want to uh, chip in or you just want to get involved in any way um there's a support crowcast um channel in discord just uh, chuck your name in there and of course if you've got any suggestions for uh, anything to do with the crowcast go to the suggestion box channel and chuck your suggestion in there peter we're thinking about having a pub night uh the next time we have a saturday night game away uh, it's a bit, bit hard to plan at the moment because the fixture hasn't been set past round 15, but uh, uh, hopefully we'll be able to get a few lads down to the pub on a Saturday night, watch a Crows game, and uh, just get to know each other a little bit better in the Crowcast community. Thanks, mate. Much appreciated. That's good. Th- thanks to everyone. No, pleasure as always, mate. Us. And uh, we will be here on Sunday night for the wrap. It'll be a sort of a mid-season thing, and I uh, hope to see everyone along with us. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, everybody.